Well, welcome everyone to another edition of Someone You Should Know. Glad to have you with us again. And uh, I'm going to be turning the clock way, 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 way back. Because my guest in the studio is a lifelong friend, and uh, he's joining us from Jacksonville, Florida. Hold on. And hello, Mike Miller. Hello there, Stuart. How are you? You're there. And, I'm and you're. And so, something has the volume up, and I do the same thing. Well, I've got I've got you on phone, and I've got you on my iPad, so uh, you're all over the place here. Oh, so so there's two people watching, you and yeah, me. You and, yeah, you and I, whoever else has got brave enough to put us on, I guess. <laughs> well, welcome. How's everything in Jacksonville, Florida? Uh, we're good. We're starting to open up, uh, as our other states, of course. Uh, we opened up our beaches before other people did, which I, as well as a number of other people, were very reluctant to see happen because we weren't sure that people were going to, you know, go along with the CDC guidelines. And uh, uh, wouldn't you know it, of course, they didn't because the order that had gone out for our beaches was there would be no, um, no beach chairs and no blankets allowed. You had to keep walking or running or swimming. You couldn't hang oh, yeah. around. Uh, and they also wanted everyone to maintain six feet distances. So everybody, uh, everybody uh, just forgot about it, or most everybody forgot about it when they first opened. But uh, now they're getting into it a little bit more, so it's getting better, and they're loosening up the restrictions as well. Am I correct? I think that the Jacksonville beaches were one of the first beaches in the country to uh, to, to open up. Yeah, uh, our governor or the South, South beaches down. Oh, yeah. uh, Oh, well, you know, the, you know, the real hot spots are the three counties in the south, uh, you know, Broward, Dayton and uh, Palm Beach counties. Those are the real hot spots, more so Dade than or do. Yeah, Dade than the other two. Uh, but they held off uh, quite a long time. Uh, our beaches have been open for almost a month. And, and what are the reports? Is it going well? Has there have they seen any kind of a spike in uh, in, uh, you know, new diagnoses? Actually, uh, I was watching the numbers this morning, and we've actually seen uh, a decrease in, in the number of cases. Uh, and this is all in comparison to a month ago. But uh, we're starting to see a decrease. We've gone well past the, uh, the curve, uh, and we're on the downside of the curve right now. But, you know, uh, a lot of people still are saying there's going to be a second wave in this whole thing. So don't get too complacent with what's going on. I, I suppose the fact that that this this uh, 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 disease uh, does not do well in warm temperatures. Well, you know, I've heard that, but I, yep. I tell you, you you know, you can you can tell the what fifty three thousand two hundred eighty five cases in the state of Florida that that warm weather kills the virus. It doesn't kill the virus. Uh, you know, it may impede it to some way. But it doesn't. We have, um, and I took all these numbers down for the show, uh, but as I said, over 53,000 cases statewide. In Duval County, where I am, we have had 1,523 cases and, and 46 fatalities as a result of it. Our five-county area here has 2,390 cases and 88 people have passed away. Um, statewide, 2,364 people have passed away as, as a result of COVID. It's uh, it just really blows my mind to think that we have surpassed that one hundred thousand uh, death threshold in in less than six months. Uh, you know, and just looking over figures, and you and I are both fact and figure type people. Um, I realized that there have been more, almost more people that have died from the COVID nineteen uh, than in all wars since World War II. Well, and I was going to bring that point up because it's very relevant to you, of course, but we now have almost reached twice as many fatalities from COVID as we did through the 13 years of the Vietnam War. I mean, that's, that's, that in itself is remarkable. That's right. We thought at that point that it was devastating for our country to have 53,000 people die as a result of of, uh, of Vietnam, but here we're passing 100,000, and uh, some of the latest predictions and models are showing now that we'll probably get up 
to about 130,000 by the 1st of August. That's not to say that's going to be the top limit, but that's right. what they're that's what they're projecting now in the next 3 months. Or two well, months. you know, yeah, the, the certainly the onus now is on finding the vaccine that's going to fight the disease, uh, being able to fast track it, get it get it into production and get it out to people uh, in order to at least s slow it. The, the, the fascinating thing about this disease is it's not necessarily a disease that people are contracting. It is actually being contracted to them. Uh, for instance, the, one of the largest uh, areas of Oops, for, the, for the death rate was showing in nursing homes. Yes, well, it sir. wasn't the people in the nursing homes that were getting the virus. It was the, the healthcare workers that were going out and coming in on a daily basis that were interacting with other people. And uh, so it's, you know, and I mean, there's just no way to control that. I mean, if people are out in the public going to the grocery store, it only takes a split, se split second for somebody to touch something and, and contract the disease. It doesn't show up right away. Uh, it, it is delayed. Then they get sick and you sit them down and you say, okay, uh, who have you interacted with over the last 14 to 21 days? I mean, it's 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 hard to tell. Yeah, it really is. Um, and uh, you know, I mean, so so much of our life is disrupted, and I I like everybody else are waiting to see what the new normal is going to be like, uh, because yeah. we don't we really don't know what it's going to be like. I mean, uh, I'm still trying to think what it would be like to have eighty thousand people in a football stadium watching the Jaguars, uh, and that's just that's just not going to happen. You can't do six feet of separation. Uh, with people that got season tickets, you know, to their seats and saying, wait a minute, you blocked off my seat. I can't go. Exactly. I mean, look, the Indianapolis 500 gets over 100,000 people. And they talked about maybe running the race without anybody in the stands. I mm -hmm. mean, financially, that's devastating for the drivers. They don't frankly care. No. Fans in the stands are not because they're concentrating on on the uh, on the the uh, tarmac, uh, they did run the Darlington 400 a couple of weeks ago and all without any fans in the stands. And I'm they it was an exciting race. I happened to watch it on, on television. But the only thing that you saw was any interaction in the pits, right? And, and that and that was it. But when you talk about an entire baseball season right now, start up and. Here in Texas, they're talking about maybe opening up the stadiums once they decide how it's all going to work. But allow 25% of the ticket holders in and spacing. What what's it going to do for the concession stands? You oh, know, everybody, everybody. The impact is just it's just uh, it's it's uncalculable when you when you really think about it in those terms. Uh, one thing that I I saw in the paper, which I thought was kind of interesting, and I'm not sure which stadium did it. But one stadium has decided to open up their doors to turn it into a drive-in theater. And they're going to be showing movies on the jumbo screens and letting cars come down. And they're going to be marked with separation between them. But I thought that was yeah. a great idea. Uh, in Fort Worth, there is one of the, one of the largest and only uh, drive-in movie theaters uh, in, in uh, uh, northern Texas uh, that's doing that. And, and um, I think every other... Space is being utilized, and they're going to show. They're going to beam concerts. Uh, they want to do movies and things like that, because people are getting itchy. You know, they 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 want to get out, and it's probably our generation that is the that, that is the most resistant to doing it because we're probably at the at the greatest risk. But we've driven by restaurants and uh, outdoor dining seem to be doing some some business uh those with indoor some are open some are not uh, they had to move half of the tables to the side to keep spacing within the tables but it's it's kind of this let's meet halfway because we can't afford to keep all these businesses closed but we need more than 25 percent occupancy in order to you know make you know make our bottom line right right uh, by the way, my sister just texted me in that uh, it's Dolphin Stadium that's doing the drive-in movies in Miami. Oh, okay. So that's cool. That's pretty cool. Yep. Is she gone yet? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. 
First of all, I don't think she'd want to drive all the way down there. She lives in Boca, of course. Just to go to a drive-in movie? Yeah, go to a drive-in movie. <laughs> so what's, what's the situation with restaurants in, 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 in your area? Uh, restaurants at this point, yes, they are open. Most of them are open, I should say, but they're at 25% occupancy. Uh, so they're being very, very careful about that. It's it's tough. Um you know, but I'll tell you, the, the, the delivery and curbside pickups has been very successful for a lot of restaurants. Uh, and obviously, there's the human impact there because, you know, the, the, the kitchens are working as they're supposed to, but there are no frontline people out on the floor. Uh, those people obviously have been furloughed or laid off or something of the rest. Uh, and again, they're going to move up to 50 percent, I'm told. Uh, and then we'll see where they go after that. Yeah, well, with the curbside sales and the and the pickup window sales, uh, the restaurants can still make a pretty decent decent living for the cooks and all. But as you say, it's it's the wait help. Those are the yeah. people that depend on tips in order to to make a living, and they are they are just not working, or they are only working, and the the facility is only allowing twenty five percent in. So that's that's cut that income flow to them. Uh, and, and I'm finding that the grocery stores, of course, are, are all open. Uh, uh, I think Costco nationwide uh, will not allow anyone in the store without a, a mask uh, now. And hand sanitizers and wipes and all are available for people to wipe their carts and all. But I go to the grocery store and... I'm, I'm telling you, it's maybe 50% of the people that are shopping are wearing masks. The the uh, cashier, the checkout cashiers, and everything are. They've all put in those plexiglass barriers in between, uh, and and they're upholding that. But the people that are coming in are. I have a problem with them not respecting uh, the other people that they're shopping with, and and uh, you know I don't I don't want to make it sound like I'm scared. But every precaution that we can make is going to be a positive precaution. And there's a lot of people that say, eh, I don't, I don't need to bother with it. It's not going to affect me. And I hope it doesn't. But you're increasing the risk that it will if you are not covering and not respecting other people. You know, uh, looking at it from another point of view, I just saw this come out yesterday, where at this point, the revenue going into the state of Florida, and as you know, uh, so much of our revenue is dependent upon the sales tax and tourism. Uh, Occupancy, we yeah. We don't have a state income tax here. So those are, are very important revenue streams for the state. We've lost $878 million due to the COVID crisis. Uh, we did get an announcement where Disney, which employs 70,000 people, Disney World in Orlando, is going to be opening the Magic Kingdom up on July the 11th. Uh, and then they're going to open up Epcot and Hollywood Studios on July 15th. So, again, we're talking about at least another 45 days before uh, those two areas are going to be open. I understand SeaWorld and Universal are going to follow suit. Uh, but with all of those closed, if you can imagine what, uh, what kind of revenue 7% of everything that they spend money on normally goes back to the state of Florida, uh, that's a big hit that we're getting. And the other part of that, which is interesting, is by constitutional law, Florida is not allowed to deficit spend. So the real question is, okay, now we've got to match up with the budget, what we can afford to do versus what we normally would do or would even borrow against in order to do it. Uh, infrastructure, uh, programs, schooling, education, so on and so forth. Uh, so here in Florida, because of, because of the income tax more than anything else, I think, uh, and our reliance on the tourism area, uh, it's going to be a very interesting year, a very tough year for a lot of people, a lot of people. Yeah, you know, and, and again, you, you threw out the, the number that, uh, that Disney employs 70,000 people. Well, if it's going to take almost all of those people to operate the park on, on a given day, uh, you have to have a sufficient number of people that are coming in to the park and that are spending uh, uh, their money. Are is that going to be a restriction also? Are they starting with twenty five percent or or fifty percent? Going to be that, unlimited emissions. 
Now, they're talking about it. They're saying that as long as people are maintaining social distancing, they'll keep it open. Uh, they are going to limit the number of people there. Uh, everybody, everybody who enters the parks, all of them, uh, are going to have to have their temperatures taken uh, before they're allowed to enter. If they have a fever, they're not going to be allowed in. Uh, they're all going to be mandated that both all employees and the guests uh, are going to have to wear masks. Uh, I, I can't help but remember, Stuart, 100 years ago when you used to play a character at Disney World. Uh, chip of Chip of Chip and Dale. That's right. I, I can't. I, I hope your listeners can really try to visualize you playing Chip of Chip and Dale uh, when you first moved down to Orlando. But but the important thing is, I'm waiting to see how the Imagineers, as you know, they call them, are going to be putting masks on the characters because I bet they're going to. They're going to have to. Well, you, you've a, got you've got to believe. Sample. Yeah, you got to believe that the tourists that are getting off of the off of the the tram and uh, and the the trains and everything at the entrance are going to see a masked Mickey and Minnie waving to people and welcoming them into the park. Yeah. Uh, and so that that that's going to be a sight to see. It'll probably make the news, uh, but it's going to be sending the right message to the people that are there that that it may look a little bit strange, but it's for a reason. And yeah. uh, the only other thing was. You know, we we both know, having been to to Disney uh, uh, many times, when you say you're going to have social distancing, six feet. I mean, for people wanting to go to any of the attractions, I mean, mm -hmm. get you know, hundreds of people at a time waiting in line to go into those attractions, and if they got to keep them six feet apart, I mean, boy, that's gonna that's gonna create its own mess. Well, for those who have ever gone to have gone to a grocery store during these years, these days rather, they'll probably notice on the ground that there's a stripe at, at every six feet telling people, this is where you stand before you go to the, to the register to check out. Well, right. if you take a look at the lines that are there for Space Mountain <laughs> and Cinderella's Castle and all the other things, uh, you're talking about thousands of people, not just uh, a few people that might be in a grocery store and how they're to really supervise that, I don't know. It's going to be very tough. The line will be backed up to Tampa. <laughs> exactly. Out, out the gate, through the parking lot, down the highway. <laughs> so what else? What else? By the way, a couple of other things. Are, well, uh, other, other than being shelter in place, uh, not too terribly much. Um, I, I'm on. I'm on the phone and texting crazy, like crazy, with all kinds of people, uh, just to stay in touch with them. Uh, my family did a Zoom meeting not too long ago. In fact, Judy was the one who put it all together, which was really kind of fun. We had cousins on there. Uh, we were all talking to one another, and at the same time, I couldn't get a word. Thinking of me, who can't shut up, I couldn't get a word in edgewise. So I just sat back and looked at everybody else. But it was really fun, and I hope I hope she does it again. We were all supposed to be going uh, back home uh, to actually to Michiana in July, but I don't think that's going to happen. I'm not even sure we'd be able to fly there. Uh, but well, uh, yeah, and, 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 and our high school uh, was in the process of putting together a reunion for actually next month, uh, and it was called the Last Look Reunion because our high school, Hammond High School, is being torn down. Uh, it's gone. It's gone already. Is it to the ground already? Yeah, yeah. One of my one of my classmates keeps sending pictures and posting on there. So, uh, wow. Because one of the things we wanted to try and do with this last look reunion was to be for for all of us who attended that school to grab a brick uh, to, to have as a as a keepsake or so. And uh, if they're you know and. And old Chicago brick is at a premium in, in the Chicagoland area, so somebody's going to hands <laughs> on all of that brick. I, I'm not sure they're going to be as, uh, as 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 valuable as the ones from Hammond High. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but there may still be some bricks, and they may be selling bricks too. Who knows? You know, who well, knows? It's, and we're, we're we're talking about trying to, to uh, still get together, but later later in the summer in, or in September now, yeah. but. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of a lot of good memories. I mean, we we go back to that time. You just you just posted <laughs> last week that after some heavy rains, 
the streets were flooding. In fact, probably it was your street, one of them, was Belmont. Uh, I'm sure it was. What they were showing was the underpass going into Ede School off, off uh, Manor Drive. Right. You know, and, and folks, we're, talk, we're talking about viaducts uh, under the, under the, 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 uh, the, the railroad tracks that, that have been flooding ever since we were toddlers. And right, right. They're still flooding, and they're still trying to talk about what are we going to do to stop this flooding? And yeah. the picture, and it might as well have been a picture from 1950 because yeah. it was just different water, same viaduct. <laughs> but <laughs> but we, we, I mean, we go through a little bit of this here. Uh, we went through kind of a drought, and a lot of the, the, the level of the water went down so far that the docks were on dry land. So uh -huh. we've had that. Their boats at their docks. So now we get this deluge of rain, which we've had over the last month, and the water has come up to the docks and over the docks and, and into the streets. And so now people can't get their boats into, into the lakes, and there's plenty of water. So it's always Mother Nature. You know, Mother Nature is going to have the last laugh. Yeah, well, you know, to, to make matters worse, of course, in the state of Florida, with all of this going on, is that uh, in two days, we officially begin the hurricane season here. So, and that goes on to right. the 1st of no November. So uh, with all the other problems that we have, uh, if we get hit by major storms and they're, they're predicting we're going to have a, a busier than normal, you know, storm season here I, in Florida. I saw that. Uh, you know, it's just going to pound pound the problems that we already have. You can't find toilet paper anywhere. Can you imagine before a storm hits what it's going to be like at that point? So, Can you, although if if we do get flooding, all people got to dump all that toilet paper and it'll just probably soak it all up. Except they won't have any for their own use. <laughs> that's that's right. <laughs> I always think about those people that bought houses with bidets and laughing and saying, I'm never going to use that. Uh -huh. <laughs> what goes around comes around. <laughs> yeah, it really does. It really does. Well, you, you, you mentioned earlier, uh, uh, I posted uh, the show that we were going to be doing this morning. I posted it to uh, a Hammond High uh, Alumni Association Facebook. Oh, good. All <laughs> kinds of folks from from. The old days are watching. Uh, a shout out to uh, Benny Mayer, who's in uh, Phoenix, and uh, uh, some of the. By folks the way, he'd shoot you if he heard you say Benny. He well, but you see, clobber you. But I could say I could say Benny because that's who what we knew him as. I mean, I was Stewie. I was that was called Stewie when I was in high school. You know, that's I don't even true. use I don't even use Stew much anymore. I use Stewart. But yep. hey, it, it is it is what it was. Yeah, I know. <laughs> But I, he's listening, so he is listening now. He just sent me a note to say he and Lydia. Are so he's probably he's probably fuming, and he'll send you another note. He just tell, said, me, tell me, call he me just, Dennis. He just sent me a message that said, "I hate Ben." So. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, well, but but I mean, we've there's when we start to talk about some of the old friends and the old times and everything, it does bring back some great. I, you and I, you, you and I both studied broadcasting in Indiana University. You went on to Columbia, Columbia School of Broadcasting, uh, and uh, Columbia College. It wasn't. It wasn't Columbia School of Broadcasting. It was it, Columbia College. It was. Is it yeah. still Columbia College, or is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. Uh, and then you made a career out of out of broadcasting. Uh, you and I started out. In fact, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna play a game with you right now. Okay, you you know they they show you a picture and they want to know the first word that 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 comes into your mind. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna name some letters and you give me the city, okay? Because these are some of the call letters that 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 are associated. Oh, okay, uh, there is one missing, and I'm gonna go back to that at the end. But WLNR, Lansing, Illinois. All right, then there was WLTH, Gary, Indiana. WDBO, Orlando, WTIC, Hartford, Connecticut, WXYZ, Detroit, 
WHDH. Boston. WIOD. Miami. WJNO. West Palm Beach. And WOKV. Here in Jacksonville. I was here in Jacksonville. Yep. That's a that's a lot of W's. <laughs> I never worked at a I never worked at a K station because uh, I never got west of the Mississippi. So uh, I almost did. I almost went to work at KGO. I got an interview, but I didn't get the job. But that, was, that is fascinating. But there is one more, and it was really the very first W station. You and I worked at it. Do you remember what the call letters were? Uh, are you talking about the one at IU? WFQR. Foster Quadrangle. Was it okay? I don't. I didn't remember the call letters. I don't think I was allowed to speak on the mic. I just had. To <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like a family Zoom meeting. I wasn't allowed to say anything. I just right, right. show up. <laughs> I recognize. I recognize the face, but I don't recognize. You know, yeah, but, not the voice. But of, of, so so of those of those stations that you you did were those all talk shows that you did uh not uh well no not wlnr was not that was all beautiful music at the time right henry mancini music is still playing in my head because uh, i had to play him every night um uh, when i went to w uh, i'm trying to think I went to WLTH. I had a morning show, but it was kind of a music and talk show uh, during the morning. Um, there was a, a newsman who was also the general manager of the station, a guy named Warren Freiberg. And he used to do Warren Freiberg news and comment in the morning. So he would interrupt my, my show, as I used to call it, uh, doing the news at, at, at the top of the hour. And then he'd comment about it. Well, one time I just got fed up with them and I, I turned on the microphone and decided I was going to do some rebuttals to some of the ridiculous things he was saying. And then we had a meeting after the show and he said, you know, I like the way we did that. Why don't we do that more regularly? So <laughs> then it was called Warren Freiberg and Friend kind of thing. And after every newscast, I'd come in and tell him how wrong he was. And that then turned the whole thing into a talk show. So and, not, and, very, not very much time doing music, except, in, except at IU. And that, that was really the heyday of WLTH, because that was in the, in the oh. in Gary, Indiana, back when uh, Richard Hatcher was the uh, uh, mayor. And, yep. uh, you know, when there were, there were controversies and all, but it was a strong economy at that time. And, and LTH was a, a powerhouse at the time. Uh, yeah, there were, two, there were two stations, two powerful AM stations. LTH was... But, LTH had a disadvantage, which I'll tell you about in a moment, but WGRY was the big one, uh, and they were the top-rated one. The problem, and this is interesting, I don't think there are any stations doing this anymore, especially now with internet. Uh, we were a daytime radio station at WLTH. In other words, we broadcast from sunup till sundown. Uh, to any of our colleagues in the broadcast industry, if any of them are listening, uh, the interesting thing was that... Uh, for people in the um, Indiana, Illinois area, they know that in the winter time, uh, with central time, it got dark at 4.15 in the afternoon. It was almost pitch black by five. Well, Before we drive to, time. We had to sign off at 4.15, and our sign off period changed every month depending on what sunset was. But we lost all of the revenue an afternoon drive during the winter, but even more than that, as you know, mornings are the most revenue, uh, you know, producing time period of the day. And in the winter, again, we weren't allowed to sign on till 7.15. So we were only on from like 7.15 till 4.15 in the afternoon. Uh, and then we had to shut down after that. And it's especially at a time when people would want to turn into the local stations to find out what the weather reports were, if it was snowing or, or icy, and, and if there were accidents on the roadways. And you were, you were just signing on and trying to play catch-up. Yeah, well, yeah, and my show was only on for an hour and 45 minutes during that period because I was only on until 9. Uh, so you start at 7.15, you're off at 9. That's not a long time to be on the air. Interesting. 
And yep. I guess you, you you kind of follow the footsteps. Your your sister was also in the uh, in the media. Yeah, Judy worked at uh, WXYZ TV while I was at WXYZ Radio. Uh, so for a period of time, so that was fun. And then she went on to Denver uh, to, to KMH. I forgot the last one. Uh, she'll text uh, you. You'll get, get a note. I'll get it in a moment. I'll get it in a moment. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, we, we were in it for a while. And then um, she left, I stayed. So, I mean, you, you kind of semi-retired, I guess I should say, because you, you kind of left broadcasting in Jacksonville, but you started working with some of the government agencies in Jacksonville, uh, uh, consulting and also working on some boards. Uh, what, what, what was that all about? And, uh, by the way, it's, it was K, KM, KMGH. Thank you, Judy. KMGH radio, or television. Um, yeah, uh, I left... Uh, I left the uh, radio station here in, in Jacksonville in, in the year 2000. Uh, and I got a phone call the day after I left because we did a big thing on the air of my last show and so on and so forth. Uh, and I got a phone call at that time from the, uh, from the mayor's office, the mayor of Jacksonville, uh, who said he wanted to have a meeting with me. So I, of course, took the meeting. Uh, and then I went to work for his administration for the final three years that they were in office because of term limits. So I left there in 2003, uh, and then the, the city's transportation authority called me and said, what you are doing for the mayor, we'd like you to do for us. So I worked with them for 15 years. Uh, and that was only because at the time, my wife and I, when I left uh, the radio station, we sat back and talked and said, what do we want to do now? Should I send out tapes to other radio stations and see what's out there? But at that time, her parents lived in St. Petersburg. My folks had already moved down basically to Boca. Uh, so both of our families were down there. And the idea of, I worked every market in Florida, so I didn't have any left. Uh, right. which, which meant that the only place we'd have to go to are one of the other 49 states. Sure. I, didn't want to, I didn't really want to do that uh, and leave our families at that time. So. Now the connections that you made with the mayor's office and the and uh, and beyond that uh, was this because of some of the the interviewing and all that you had done when you were on the radio you had made all of those those connections because you were still doing the talk radio at the time. There was well, that's interesting. I haven't thought about this in quite a while, but it's true. Uh, there was a very important campaign uh, that uh, the Delaney it was his name Mayor Delaney did. Um, I guess it was about a year before I left radio and it was for what was called a better Jacksonville plan, which was a huge citywide program of building new libraries and uh, building a, a, basically building a new amphitheater and all kinds of things. Roads were done and uh, intersections were, were made better. Uh, and I was the only person on the air. And remember doing a talk show, uh, I was allowed to have opinions. Uh, and really, I was just about the only real non-sports talk show in the city of Jacksonville. So I came out and I was very supportive of the idea. Uh, and I would have the mayor on quite frequently, uh, you know, to talk about it as well as other people, you know, in public works and things like that to talk about yeah. what is needed and how they're going to do it and everything else. And I mean, this was a, a $1.3 billion program, uh, which needed a half cent sales tax to be passed in order to fund it. Um, and I was very supportive on the air about it. Um, and uh, when I went out and did talks, I talked about that as part of my presentation. Uh, so I think he felt somewhat, uh, I don't know, he wanted to reward me in some way of doing it. So that's why. Plus, I've known all the other politicians in town, which he liked, because my primary job with him was acting as a liaison to the 19-member city council. Uh, so my job with that was to get all of our legislation passed. And since I knew all of them, he said, this is perfect. We've got a good reputation. They know you from radio. So come on over here and do it with us. And the rest is history. Yeah. Did, did you find that it was an easy transition because you knew most of them and interacted with them on the radio? Yeah. The, the only difficult part was that obviously any opinions I had were the mayor's opinions. Uh, which, which was not the case when I was on the air. I could, I could have my own. So that was, that was a major change. That was a change. 
<laughs> that was different. That's usually what happens when you have term limits, because when you go, so do all of those opinions. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you get new, new opinions. Absolutely. Uh, and so, so uh, are you working with one of those agencies now? Current? No, no, I'm, I am completely retired. I left uh, the Jacksonville Transportation Authority last year uh, in 2019. So yeah, I've been, uh, February was my one year anniversary of being retired. I was doing some consulting work, uh, marketing and public relations consulting work. Obviously with COVID, there's not a lot of that activity going on. So I've taken a hiatus from that. And once things turn around again, perhaps, We'll see if, uh, if I'll get into something, at least in a part-time level. Do you see Do you see going back into radio? Well, with a national election coming up, I'd love to go back on radio to do what I used to do, uh, but probably not. Uh, you know, so many shows are syndicated now, Stuart, that uh, That's right. there really is not a lot of local talk. You'll see local talk on sports stations because they want you to talk about the local teams and the local colleges and everything else. But uh, as far as issue-oriented talk, there really is not a lot of local talk going on. Um, I would also say, and I don't, I don't want this to offend anybody who's listening, but um, my views uh, politically are not in line with most of our community. Uh, this is a very red city. Uh, and... Um, in fact, they just elected a Democrat as the president of our city council, uh, and he was the former mayor of Jacksonville who ended up running for this city council and winning. Um, <clears throat> but we haven't had a Democrat as president of the city council in years, just years. So I'm not sure that uh, I would probably come on talking too much like MSNBC or CNN for the likes of a lot of people. If I went on as a Fox surrogate, then maybe I'd be more welcomed. But there's one thing I've learned about talk after 30 years. People don't tune in to those that they disagree with, uh, which I find really incredible because uh, even when I was doing talk radio, I, mean, I was always going not just to others who shared my opinion, but I wanted to hear what everybody else was saying. Uh, but we're so divided today. We're so polarized as a community. People only want to hear what they believe in. They want that reinforcement and validity of what they're, what they're thinking is. So I'm not sure there are too many stations in Florida. South Florida is a lot more liberal, a lot more democratic. Um, and it was that way when I broadcast at WIOD and at WJNO. But uh, today it's a, it's a different ballgame. It's a different scenario all over the place. And, and I'm very much like you. I don't see that as being very healthy because if you're going to put, put a, a fence between you and the other side, it seems to me that we'll never really move forward as a country. Uh, I, we, we remember growing up in the Midwest that, that even though there was a lot of disputes and, and, and op different opinions between the various parties, there was, it, it just seemed like it, that they would be able to sit down at the table and, and throw out all the ideas from both sides and look at all of the, the, the parts of those ideas and then put together the best <laughs> of both to come up with a common uh, plan to move forward. Today, you're absolutely right. It's just it's my way or the highway. Uh, I don't even want to listen to what you have to offer, whether it's valid or not. And, and in my opinion, uh, that's not healthy for the future of, of the country. And uh, I would assume that you, you are thinking along the same lines. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I heard this. Uh, this is not an original thought. So I heard this the other, air, the other day on the air. But uh, harken back to the days when Ronald Reagan was president and Tip O'Neill was the Speaker of the House. Uh, you had two feisty Irishmen <clears throat> who were leaders of this country. And yet they were great friends. They socialized together. Uh, from what I understand, uh, Reagan would call Tip over to the White House all the time just for informal conversations. Uh, you also didn't have the media coverage that you have today where you can't even go to the bathroom without it being reported. So right. there was a lot of that situation going on. And don't forget, too, Newt Gingrich and Bill Clinton. Uh, they ended up getting along and passing basically uh, an incredible welfare bill when when he was president uh, and right. got the Republicans to go along with it. So 
you know, it, it's been done before, but uh, ever ever since, uh, you know, ever ever really, I, I hate to say it, but it's ever since, you know, Trump got in there that things have become so divisive. I don't remember George W. having that much trouble with the uh, with the Democratic Congress as, as the White House is having today. Uh, either either Bush, George W. or H. W. Um, so. I don't know. Things have changed, and whether or not they'll ever get back to the same, I, I, I can't tell you. Who knows? Well, you, you said earlier in the show, you, you, you used the phrase, which I use a lot, the, the new normal. Uh, we, will, we will never go back to what we all perceived as the old normal lifestyle. Uh, it's the new normal, and we have, to, we have to be prudent about what that's going to mean. Uh, if, if you have a, a different opinion of what I have, uh, you may walk away from our conversation with the same difference of opinion, but what is so wrong with sitting down and talking about it and trying to see what, what we can, can come up with? Because you might just have an idea that I may not totally agree with, but I, could, I can understand where that might work too. But, you know, I, I, it bothers me to think that the younger generation and all is being raised with this divisiveness that you've got to pick a team and you support that team and you don't even look at the, at the team on the other side of the field that, that, that we're just totally different. We just, we can't, we can't have a successful future if we continue to think that way. Well, you know, I can't disagree with that at all. That's the question is how do you do it? Uh, Because our generation knew that. Our generation knew that. Our parents' generation knew that. But but the younger generation, I don't think that they are as as politically involved and politically active as we were or as they should be. That's probably the mayor. It's probably your mayor calling you. Now, I'm looking at my television, which puts the phone calls up on there, and it's Grand Rapids, Michigan, or Minnesota, rather. Oh, so, right. I'm, so it's either a, a robocall or somebody's looking for money, one or the other. And I would probably put that I probably put my money on the robocall. Yeah, probably so. I'll I'll see if anybody leaves a message on the voicemail. Right. right. I'm oh, sorry. There, there you go. <laughs> if I could get to it, I'd turn it off. But she'll be done in a minute. Whoever this person is. <laughs> See, I, what I always want to do is I wanted to be be able to do the voiceover like you're listening to right now. Ah. See, that, that would be a fun thing to do. Wait a minute. They want me to punch one. I think I'll go and punch one. And see what <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Wait, there wait, wait. All right. They're gone. Oh, she's before already. Yeah. Before you punch one, don't, don't punch yeah. that, that number yet. Listen to the other options, you know. Okay, I've got another story I've got to tell, and I was talking about this with Harris yesterday. Jimmy. Okay. Uh, Is it you know, Jim or James, or do we call him Jimmy? No, I, when I answer the phone, I say, James, how are you? And then it's normally Jim. It's normally Jim. He, <laughs> See, everybody's got to put in We do it as Jimmy. Wives. <laughs> yeah, no. but um, I was kidding him because he saw it as well where you were putting the promotion of today's show on there and you had a photo of the record that we recorded called Humpty Dumpty, uh, which was done back in 1962, if I remember correctly. Right. And I said, that, I said to Jim, I said, you notice, by the way, that he didn't turn it to the B side because he screwed up that chord so badly and we both were talking about why didn't we redo that track? So well, I remember why. Court, why not? We didn't have the money? Because we only had the studio, I think, for an hour. <laughs> we spent 50 minutes on Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> and so we went to the B-side, and, and we only had 10 minutes to get that done. And, and as, as much as everybody remembers Humpty Dumpty, you know, in all of my years, anytime I've ever mentioned Good night, sweetheart. Everybody remembers that bad note that I hit on the piano, and we just didn't have time to do another take or edit it out. 
Well, uh, okay. Bennett just sent me a notice. He said, "Play it." He wanted you to he wanted you to play it on the air. I don't have the <laughs> I don't I don't have the capability hey, to do thank it. Thank you, Gary. Of course, he would want me to play it. So, <laughs> <laughs> but actually, he wanted, he wanted you to he wanted to play "Good Night, Sweetheart" because he was singing the lead in that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And 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 we we did a great four part harmony in that in that song. You know, Humpty. Was a, was, a, was a whim. And by the way, for the folks that are listening and watching the show, uh, this was a big deal back in 1962 when we released Humpty Dumpty. And uh, if anybody really is interested in getting a copy of, of uh, that 45 Humpty Dumpty that, that we recorded, I think we're down to about our last 14,000 copies. Uh, Do you so have them? Do you actually uh, have those copies? I, I just have the one. But you know what I, I have? I have the original hard disc that it was recorded on. I don't know oh, no. how I ended up with that, but it was that disc that made the 45s. Oh, all right. That was the master then, huh? Yeah, that was the master. Now you yeah. that as the master. Okay, that's interesting. interesting. Yeah. And that may be one reason why they couldn't do a lot of um, editing back in those days, because you couldn't edit on a disc if you were you doing had, it on. You had to take you another take. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have to do another take. So interesting. <laughs> Humpty Dumpty by, yeah, by yeah. the Kingsman. And we, we were the Kingsman until another band by the same name came out with a little tune called Louie Louie. Well, you know, it's interesting because you had already graduated when the Reflections became, uh, you know, a, a band because we kind of morphed into this new band when you left and Bennett left and Huey left and a bunch of people from that class of 63 left. So yes. the only people who were left were Jimmy and I and then the, the musicians. I don't call myself a musician because I was a drummer. <laughs> I'm sorry, drummers, but I wasn't a guitar player. Or I wasn't a you know player, a keyboard player or anything like that. Uh, but <laughs> even then, there came another Reflections, and we had to change that and get out of it, too. So yeah. we stayed with that. We stayed with that until the end of high school. And then uh, Jimmy started a band at IU, which I became a part of for a while, called the Citations. Uh, and that was a bunch of guys from Sammy and ZBTs, I think, that were part of that. And when I went down to Indiana for a short time, I joined a group called the New Piltdown Men. And what? The Piltdown apparently was one of those old caveman eras. And the leader of the band decided to call it the new Piltdown Men. We were, we were probably a garage band before the term garage band became popular. I mean, we were terrible. Yeah. But, well, we were but, a basement band, actually, if people remember. We used to rehearse a lot in my basement. In my that's right. So. <clears throat> well, it had to be at your house because to have to pack up the drums <laughs> and go back and forth for rehearsals. But, that's true. But we had, we had some good old... Good times back in those days. Do you remember the first gig that we did? The first what? The first engagement we did, the first show that we did, or, or dance that we did? <clears throat> I don't remember whether it was that one, was at Bethel? No. Well, I think we may have done something like that just for a fun thing, but I think the first one we did was at Wilbur Wright Junior High. Oh, okay, and yes. There And there were eight of us in the band. Eight of us in the band. Four musicians. We got paid forty dollars for the yes. eight people. For eight and people. We all went and we all went to Candiano's Pizza. And we spent all forty dollars there on pizza after the show was over. That's that's right. Yeah, we we never saved a dime for new equipment. <laughs> yeah, <of course. laughs> what, what kind of equipment? You couldn't even get a kazoo with the amount of no. <laughs> Let's see. Let's. <clears throat> should we all go out for pizza or buy a new microphone? Eh, let's go for pizza. Bennett, Bennett just wrote, he said, we had Kingston Trio shirts on, and that's true. We did. This, In fact, blue that, and white striped shirts. Yeah, that one photo that I have of, of some of the guys, is, which is the only photo. Do you have any photos of the band performing? Uh, of us performing? No. I think I do have a picture of, of a, a still shot of, of all of us in our blue and white shirts. Do you really? Yeah. You ought to put that put that up, Stuart, because I don't think I have I've seen that one. I'll 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 have to I'll have to find I'll I'll forward it to everyone. 
Yeah, that'd be fun. That would be fun. Well, I'm sure your audience is just enthralled with all of this personal talk going on between the two of them. <laughs> hey, listen, it's my show, and I'm opinionated, just like my guests. <laughs> I like my situation. I had a program director. I had a sales manager. All of those people going after me if I did something they didn't like. So. You've got a, right. lot just, freedom, a lot of freedom. Just sit down, sit down and talk to yourself. <laughs> right, right. Well, now, have you? Were you in the? Were you in the KGVI studios before the pandemic hit? Did you do the show from there, or have you always done it from home? No, no. We 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 had, did it from the studio here, and then uh, our producer and owner Mark Warner uh, relocated up to Michigan. So the show is being produced in Michigan uh, and streaming, and and as are a lot of radio. Uh, broadcast now they're all being done from homes or or you know uh, secondary studios <clears throat> all over we'll probably continue to do it streaming it sure makes it easier for me to get guests like you who are 1200 miles away to, to right. sit and virtually be in the same room uh, so it, it I think it's kind of the best of both worlds that's great I think it's great it's so really well it's been it's been great talking to you again you know, thank we, you, Stuart. We do it infrequently, and to all of those who are listening into the show and all, I'm, I hope you've had a good time spending the last hour with Mike Miller and myself. Uh, it's 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 you know like a slice of uh, of the old days. Uh, and again, Mike, thank you very much. The best to you. Stay healthy, and the best to Jacksonville, Florida, and the area. And to all of you that have been uh, tuning in this morning, thanks for being with us on Someone You Should Know. And be right here again next week. In fact, the way Mike used to end his radio show in college, say, and remember, if you tune in at the exact same time again next week, you're going to miss my show again. <laughs> Very good. Very so, good. I'll leave you with that also. Go out and make it a good day, a great weekend. And that's it from someone you should know.